future on a hell of a past Looks like tomorrow is a coming on fast Ain't complaining about what I've got Seen many times but who has not Silvio, silver and gold Won't buy back the beat of a heart grown cold Silvio, I gotta go Find out something only dead man now Well, hello, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 176 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. And in our episode today, we're going to review 2020 and FCPA enforcement. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, we're off to a really difficult start in the year. Obviously, this was a tough uh, week in Washington, D.C., and for the country uh, as we continue to suffer through the pandemic. But uh, let's hope that things can uh, turn around quickly. We're looking at a new government coming in, a new administration, and uh, that's pretty exciting. And uh, there'll be lots of changes, which we'll be talking about in the enforcement arena down the road. Uh, Hope everybody's safe, healthy, um, and uh, doing okay. So today, uh, we're going to take a look at FCPA enforcement. Next week, we'll take a look at OFAC enforcement for the year, and uh, we'll go from there in terms of looking at predictions, what's what's ahead in terms of the Biden administration. Before we get started, let's hear from our sponsor, Steel Compliance. Steel Compliance is the global leader in compliance and ethics management. Steel's compliance and ethics platform is comprehensive, robust, and easy to use to promote a company's culture of compliance. Steel partners with the world's largest, most respected companies to deliver compliance products and services that help organizations embrace a culture of compliance while protecting their brand. Building an ethical culture is a complex undertaking that requires a detailed understanding of the global compliance environment, considerable time, and specialized expertise. Steel's end-to-end ethics and compliance platform is designed to provide compliance officers with the solutions they need to proactively address changing regulatory and reputational risks. Steel's ethics and compliance automated platform offers critical functions designed to promote a speak-up culture to advance employee engagement, reporting, and incident management, investigate promptly and fairly potential incidents to ensure compliance with your organization's code of conduct and applicable laws and regulations, including anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, antitrust, sanctions, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Manage your organization's compliance policies and procedures to ensure that policies are updated and disseminated effectively so that employees understand your organization's compliance requirements, Educate and engage your organization to promote understanding in how your compliance program applies to -to day-to-day operations. And evaluate and monitor your organization's business partners, vendors, suppliers, and customers to mitigate risk and ensure adherence to your organization's ethics and compliance requirements. To learn more about Steel's compliance solutions, please contact us at email steelglobal.com or call 415-692-5000. Okay, so 2020 was an interesting year. COVID definitely had an impact on enforcement in general, but not nonetheless, the Justice Department racked, and the SEC racked up another record year of enforcement. 
In fact, in the last four years uh, of FCPA enforcement, the last two years were record years, 2019 and 2020. Uh, after those two years, uh, you have to go back to 2016, 2014, and 2010. Those were the largest uh, enforcement years, and I'm measuring that by total fines, total recovery. This year, DOJ uh, reached uh, FCPA settlements with eight corporate defendants, Goldman Sachs, Airbus, Novartis, Herbalife, JNF, Investimentos, Sergeant Marine, Beam Suntory, Vital, uh, Vital Training. Uh, one declination by DOJ, that was the world acceptance. And in total, they rec uh, DOJ recovered a record $3.74 billion. Uh, DOJ indicted 22 individuals in FCPA-related cases, which was a decline from the years record years of 2018 and 2019. And obviously, that's where COVID had a direct uh, impact on their ability to indict and prosecute individuals because it was difficult uh, to get grand juries together, uh, given COVID, and also uh, the problem, many courthouses were closed for a significant period of times uh, during the uh, uh, pandemic. So that, uh, that made it much more difficult. So even despite that, getting 22 uh, individuals to either plead guilty or charged uh, is pretty, pretty, uh, I mean, pretty significant. The SEC themselves reached FCA uh, settlements with eight corporations and three individuals, the corporations included Alexion, Novartis Alcon, Goldman Sachs, Herbal Life, ENI, JNF Investimentos, Cardinal Health, and World Acceptance. The Batista brothers, the owners of JNF Investimentos, each settled SEC charges for five hundred and fifty thousand, and then a former Goldman Sachs officer has been charged in a civil complaint for corruption involving uh, Ghanaian uh, foreign officials. And that occurred right in the middle of the pandemic in April, I believe. The CFTC, uh, Commodities Future Trading uh, Commission, made its first appearance, and it settled its first enforcement case against Vital Trading for $28.7 million. The total of SEC and CFTC enforcement was $1.34 billion. No FCPA enforcements resulted in the appointment of an independent corporate monitor in 2020. 2019 had three, and in 2020, we had uh, none. The, but the record here really rested on one significant enforcement action. The blockbuster enforcement action, and frankly, I think the most important ever brought, was against Goldman Sachs for its massive bribery scheme in Malaysia involving the 1MDB uh Fund the total recovery from the Goldman Sachs enforcement action was nearly four billion, two point nine billion from DOJ and one point oh six billion for the SEC, and the Goldman Sachs case sits atop the FCPA top ten list, far eclipsing Ericsson's twenty nineteen settlement for one billion. Goldman Sachs is the most important FCPA prosecution because it struck at the heart of the purpose of the FCPA. Prosecuting bribery schemes that have a disastrous impact on a developing economy and its, and its people. And DOJ and the SEC should definitely be commended for this uh, important case. Now, 
I mentioned before DOJ's ability to pursue criminal prosecutions against individuals through indictments was hampered, obviously, because of the inability to uh, gather grand juries and conduct investigations and presentations to the grand jury around the country. But for the uh, pandemic, DOJ likely would have exceeded its record 2019 year of 34 indictments or pleas. Despite the pandemic, however, DOJ uh, secured a trial conviction against Donville Innes, that was early in the year, a Barbados government official for money laundering. And in almost every indictment now, DOJ couples FCPA charges with anti-money laundering criminal charges, which carry a much more severe penalty of up to 20 years. An FCPA offense uh, is up to five years. Uh, DOJ also continued its practice of indicting foreign government officials on AML charges, uh, since such officials are not subject to FCPA charges as bribe recipients. The focus of the criminal charges, however, seems to be linked right now to PETAVASA, uh, these are officials uh, linked to Petavesa, Petro Ecuador, Alstom. Uh, there was a cleanup on Alstom in Indonesia, and Odebrecht, where uh, they went after Panamanian officials there. DOJ also indicted three defendants from an international adoption agency for FCPA charges, which was an interesting case. Over the last few years, it's clear that there's sort of a pattern developing between DOJ and the SEC. DOJ is focusing its effort on large corporate prosecutions along with individuals associated with corrupt organizations like Pedevesa, Odebrecht. The SEC uh, tends to, they'll participate in the large case, but then they tend to include and focus some resources on quote-unquote smaller cases under $100 million, uh, as well. So that's sort of the broad picture of the you know, the, uh, the numbers, the overall picture of enforcement. Um, and I thought that uh, besides the Goldman Sachs case, which is really, you know, sort of the pace setter for the year, there were a number of other uh, important cases as well. But let's just talk about, just summarize uh, Goldman Sachs real quickly, where Goldman Sachs paid DOJ and the SEC nearly $4 billion in fines and disgorgement um, and DOJ also has recovered nearly $1 billion in assets through its uh, kleptocracy forfeiture initiative. And Goldman Sachs was a massive case, and no one can question whether or not uh, Goldman Sachs was rightfully prosecuted. The interesting part of the case to me is the apparent indifference or knowledge of senior corporate leaders go at Goldman Sachs, who, with the assistance of a notoriously corrupt third-party J-Lo, uh, paid over $1.6 billion in bribes to Malaysia and Abu Dhabi officials to secure three valuable uh, underwriting contracts worth uh, $6.5 billion, from which Goldman Sachs earned $600 million in fees. DOJ has indicted three individuals related to the Goldman scandal, Tim Leisner, who was the head of Asia for Goldman Sachs, who pled guilty and is cooperate, cooperating. Roger Ning, who is scheduled for trial next, this year. And uh, Jay Lo, who is a fugitive, probably in China or, or some other uh, location. At its core, though, Goldman Sachs scandal represents a fundamental failure of its corporate culture and commitment to ethics and compliance. 
At every turn, business and money eclipsed adherence to ethics and compliance requirements. In the end, this was a tone and a message communicated and reinforced by Goldman Sachs's leadership. So there were some other really important cases, big cases that were brought in, but for Goldman Sachs, for example, the Airbus SE case would have been the case of the year. Uh, it would have been the headline FCPA case for 2020. It was the result of an international coordinated effort by the U.S., the U.K., and French prosecutors. And frankly, the U.K. and French prosecutors were the leads on this case. And Airbus paid over $4 billion to the U.S., U.K., and French law enforcement for a multi-year bribery scheme, and then $582 million to the U.S. for ITAR violations. Uh, for over seven years, Airbus paid bribes through third parties in China to secure valuable commercial airplane, airplane sales to Chinese state-owned airlines. Airbus's uh, compliance and legal functions, while apparently robust with staffing and policies, remained silent in a culture that was clearly dominated to securing business at any cost. Herbal Life was another important case. Uh, DOJ, in that case, secured a three-year deferred prosecution agreement ex in exchange for $55 million, and the SEC secured a $67 million settlement. Last year, in 2019, DOJ indicted two China managers, Jerry Lee and Mary Yang, who have not been apprehended for FCPA charges. Over a 10-year period, Herbalife paid Chinese government officials over $25 million in expense reimbursement for bribes, hospitality, and gifts to secure direct selling licenses, prevent enforcement actions, and reduce penalties, and avoid negative publicity in government-owned enterprises. An herbal life executive in Los Angeles directed the China manager in one occasion to falsify expense reports to circumvent existing policies. Notwithstanding audit reports to the board and senior management that revealed significant, and I mean massive, unexplained payments to Chinese officials, Herbalife's board, internal auditor, and senior management ignored obvious indicators of bribery. And Herbalife is a great case study for that failure of senior leadership at the board level, at internal audit, and senior management to uh, respond, if anything, they, I think, knowingly covered it up. Novartis and Alcon was another great case. Uh, the Justice Department secured a $234 million penalty from Novartis and $8.9 million from Alcon, which was sold by Novartis in 2019, for bribery conduct in Greece and Vietnam. And the SEC secured a total penalty of $112 million for bribery conduct in Greece, Vietnam, South Korea, and China. In Greece... Between 2012 and 2015, Novartis paid approximately $6,000 per physician and foreign official to travel to international medical congresses in order to reward or pressure physicians to prescribe Novartis uh, products. It was kind of like an inducement. And in Vietnam, Novartis paid bribes through a third-party distri distributor to pay physicians for using Alcon Cataract products. And uh, we then also had the JNF Investimentos case where DOJ secured a fine of $128 million. The SEC earned a $27 million penalty. And we had the two individual settlements from JNF owners, uh, the Batista brothers of $550,000 each. 
JNF paid millions of dollars in bribes to officials at Brazil-owned state banks for important business loans needed to acquire companies. And JNF has already settled a massive bribery case with Brazil for $3.2 billion for bribery conduct by its uh, meat company, JBS. JNF paid bribes through complex layers of shell companies and bank payments involving a New York-based global bank. And then finally, uh, we had at the end of the year here, vital training, trading. DOJ secured a $135 million settlement minus a $45 million credit for payment in Brazil. And 28.7 uh, CFTC settlement, vital an energy trading company paid $10 million in bribes for market intelligence and bid information from Petrobras. Bribes were funded through third parties, sham consulting contracts, fake invoices, and intermediaries. Well, I thought I'd wrap up uh, today's uh, summary with some predictions. Uh, and sometimes I get them right, sometimes I get them wrong. I always uh, like to offer my FCPA predictions uh, for the upcoming year and then look back on them. Uh, I had some that were right, uh, many that were wrong for last year because I couldn't have anticipated uh, the impact of COVID-19. Uh, so let's look at, uh, in the crystal ball here and, and what do we come up with? Well, we got the biggest change that's going to come about is a new leadership at the justice department, which will redouble enforcement efforts. I think across the board, although I think uh, it'll be interesting to see whether they just sort of continue the aggressive, um, enforcement scheme. Uh, that's been going on for the last two years, or whether they try to ramp that up for FCPA violations. I think where we'll see more of a direct impact immediately is in antitrust, civil rights for sure, environmental crimes, and definitely False Claims Act, and uh, overall white-collar enforcement. FCPA enforcement, however, has been pretty robust, and I don't know if the Biden administration is going to pick that up anymore. The one thing that Biden Justice Department will emphasize, again, is the importance of ethics and compliance and redoubling efforts to promote initiatives to increase corporate compliance and accountability. Chief compliance officers will be looked to to increase their internal authority, their responsibilities, their empowerment, and their performance in preventing and detecting uh, potential violations. While 2019 and 2020 resulted in the appointment of only three independent corporate monitors, three in 2019 and zero in 2020, uh, the Biden Justice Department is going to be much more comfortable with the appointment of independent corporate compliance uh, monitors in appropriate cases. The Obama Justice Department pushed a number of corporate compliance monitors, and we are likely to see a return to reliance on this tool. The Biden Justice Department is very likely also to increase individual prosecution of senior corporate officers and even board members. Given the controversy surrounding prosecution of senior executives by the Obama Justice Department during the financial crisis in the absence of any aggressive enforcement, the Biden Justice Department will push charging and accountability of senior corporate executives and even board members if given the opportunity. The Obama administration suffered such negative publicity from its failure to prosecute that the Biden Justice Department is likely to tout individual prosecutions as a new and important initiative. 
In the FCPA area, we can expect 2021 to be obviously another successful year. Depending on who is appointed SEC chairperson, uh, if it's Preet Bharara, who I've uh, seen as contemplated, I expect that uh, SEC FCPA enforcement will increase. DOJ's FCPA record will continue to reach total, you know, multi-billion-dollar penalty totals in 2021. DOJ is likely to increase criminal FCPA prosecutions over 22 indictments and guilty pleas in 2020. The pandemic, as I noted before, had a big impact. I predict that we'll get over 40 individuals this year who will be indicted or enter guilty pleas. Uh, DOJ's aggressive criminal enforcement program against individuals is already bearing fruit, and they're increasing now individual prosecutions with the cooperation of companies and relevant individuals. And they've successfully attacked PETAVASA, its corrupt foreign officials, and related private individuals. And the prosecutions there have been centered in New York, Houston, and Miami, and that's going to continue as they uh, get, collect more valuable intelligence, they get cooperation from other individuals, uh, and DOJ's performance and record is pretty admirable when it comes to uh, attacking PETAVASA. On the corporate FCPA enforcement front, DOJ and the SEC have around 40 disclosed ongoing investigations, although that's really not a really very accurate indicator because some companies do not disclose invest, uh, existing investigations. Four significant cases are still pending. CHS Inc., the agribusiness company, Pfizer, the vaccine provider, which was, has ongoing investigations in China and Russia, KT Corporation, the large Korean telecommunications company, and ABB, a prior violator from, uh, from Sweden. Healthcare companies also continue to earn scrutiny for foreign bribery activities. Aside from Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, Landec Corporation, and Dr. Reddy's have disclosed ongoing FCPA inquiries. A number of oil and gas companies also are still working their way through the investigation process as a consequence of unit oils cooperation, working with prosecutors in FCPA cases to see if uh, they end up uh, having to settle. Uh, telecommunications and mining companies are always on the list of potential targets in, uh, in terms of what's going to happen this year. We'll continue to see a focus on China and Brazil uh, and their activities. I expect, uh, by the way, since uh, we're likely to see some deterioration in the Russia-U.S. relationship under the Biden administration with probably more aggressive sanctions and other um, measures taken, that we may see a greater focus on bribery in Russia. Uh, so there may be some reason to take a look at your risks and uh, maybe look at some of your activities in Russia if your company is involved in that country. Anyways, that's, uh, that's the look. A good year for DOJ, good year for SEC, the SEC, and we have a lot more risks and uh, a lot more interesting developments coming in 2021 on FCPA enforcement. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Stay healthy, stay in touch, and we'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. 
You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com. Beat up a 